Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. That was a fun game, and I got tickets to it. Uh, I'd like to thank the person who gave me the tickets, but they actually gave them to my friend Ian. Mm-hmm. And Ian didn't know who gave them to, to oh, a, no. some construction companies that we had. Like, so we were behind the net fifth row seats. Oh. And it was a very interesting view of the game. Um, you could really, I mean, obviously, you could just see how hard the battles were. It's what struck me. Just just the incredible ferocity of some of these battles. And the unbelievable speed they go into the battles and um, come out making a play with the puck. It's just astonishing. Um, of course, watching the play at the other end of the ice is kind of weird. I don't know if you've sat in those seats, but you, you you find yourself looking up. I found myself looking up at the, the TV set, the huge TV set, to watch the play at the other end of the ice because you really have a hard time telling what's going on right. if you're not watching that that big screen. Uh, but then you then you have to remember to stop watching it when they come to your end because right. <laughs> they're right there in front of you. Last time I had seats that low, we didn't have a screen the quality of the one at Rogers Place. I, I had I sat low down at the Coliseum on occasion. Yeah. And always enjoyed the speed, but you know it's a, it's a, a a give and take. You gain certain parts of the experience are enhanced, but you lose. You know, there's lots of screens and stuff. You you spend the whole game like a goalie trying to look through, especially when the play's at the far end. There's so many bodies in the end. In the way you're looking at such a low angle, that often that uh, some of the play is obscured. Uh, yeah. But it sure made up for it at the at the close end. Uh, when the puck's in basically your zone, lots to see, eh? And the battles yeah. were particularly intense tonight. I thought this was a ferociously hard-fought game. Uh, King Kings really brought it, and for a team that was missing something like eight players, you'd never know it because they uh, uh, they put up an excellent fight. And uh, uh, when they had a chance to uh, quit the game at 3-1 down in the second when it seemed things weren't going their way. They instead turned it around immediately and scored two goals basically a minute Yeah. Uh, after the Oilers had had, uh, had briefly taken that two-goal lead and they tied it up and it stayed tied the whole rest of the way with lots of nervous moments for fans of either team. I think both coaches realized that whichever team forechecked the hardest was probably going to win. I guess it was kind of a saw-off in the end about which team did forecheck the hardest. Because both teams, let's be honest, both teams have a little bit iffy defense. Mm-hmm. Um, LA's defense was um, hampered by the fact that Drew Doughty and um, Sean Walker and uh, Mikey Anderson, that he's a good hockey player. And I think even one other guy were out. So they were missing a lot of players on defense. Eight regulars, I guess, in all. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me, like, the, the the whole idea of that game, get the puck in their end and just forecheck the hell out of them. And that's what was going on. It was And it was fierce. Um, I agree, Bruce. This game had had a lot of feeling of it, like a playoff game intensity. They were really going for it. And uh, the grade-A shots for, for, for the game were 17 for the Oilers, 15 for the Kings. And the five-alarm shots, which or 33% plus chance of going in nine for the Oilers and five for the Kings. 
Now the orders had uh, three of those uh, grade or five alarm shots in overtime, all off the stick of Connor McDavid uh, right at the end of the game. So uh, in, in, in regular time, it was pretty much a complete saw off and good for the Kings to put up such a battle in Edmonton's rink um, with uh, so many regulars missing. That's, this is a, uh, you can't help but be impressed by players like Anzi Kopitar. Um, and they've got some good young players, Bruce, coming up. Kempe's a good player. He was dangerous, I thought. Uh, Sean Dursey really impressed me. Such a smart young defenseman with the puck. Made a number of really nice plays. Um, you know, I, I wasn't watching particularly to see if he made mistakes in the defensive end on goals against. Maybe he did on a lot of the chances against. But I thought Bjornfoot and him... Bjorn Futten, him, looked really good. So LA's got some talent, unfortunately, Bruce. <laughs> They've got a lot of talented players. They have old talent and they have young talent. They do. Good for them. Good for them. Way to rebuild that that franchise fairly quickly. Well, it seems quickly to me, but maybe not to LA Kings fans. Bruce, let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. What's your good thing? Okay, uh, we're going to split the goods on this game. I'm going to go with uh, Connor McDavid. That's my good thing. He had a goal and assist tonight, including his 100th point of the season. Uh, the first NHLer to reach that milestone. Uh, and he's done now, that now five times in the last six years, uh, only missing when he had 97 points in uh, the year he came off his bad knee injury. Uh, and... Um, the season was shortened to 71 games, and he still got 97 points in 64 games. Well, it took him, what's this game, 68 to get to 100 this year. But uh, uh, there he is leading the league in scoring again. And uh, I thought he was uh, uh, he was a major threat uh, for big parts of this game. In the overtime, as you mentioned, with uh, several uh, great shots and uh, a couple of near misses where he tried to set up teammates for shots that didn't quite get on on uh, on the net and uh, he was uh, I just thought uh, very very dynamic in this game and he had um, uh, well eight shots of his own uh, over the course of 24 minutes and 32 seconds which was uh, uh, the high uh, among Edmonton forwards and just um, yeah, he kept bringing it, and he had the only play he made that I wasn't a fan of was on the first period power play when they when they finally got a power play, second period power play, I should say, and he had a kind of a soft turnover early in the power play, and they never got it back in over the blue line. They never got their crap together for the whole rest of that power play. It was just a uh, this was a night where they got two power plays in it, and couldn't muster a shot on goal and it kind of let them down. But uh, uh, at even strength, including on three on three, um, David was a monster. And of course, the two points that we scored does not include uh, the fantastic play he made on the 4-3 goal, or what we all thought was the 4-3 goal, where he fought the puck out uh, from the corner boards, went around the net, came out into the slot and fired a backhand shot that hit the shin pad of Yesipo Yarvi and bounced into the net. And 
uh, the referees who were very happy to let them play all over the ice all night long, all of a sudden determined that a guy battling for position in the net front is somehow interfering with the goalie he never touched. And boy, the, the announcers were saying technically they got the right call. Robert Brown was saying they got the call right, but he hates the rule. I'm with him on that one. And I'm looking at him saying, well, it's not like he grabbed Talbot's pad or anything, and yet how come these, this call gets you know, gets identified as goalie? I'm never going to let that go, David. I'm never you, and Bruce, go. you shouldn't. You should never let no. it go. No. So, no. I mean, all this bullshit on reviewing re, uh, goals, and they and they take 10 seconds to look at a tying goal with 15 seconds left in a, in a crucial playoff game. And it, to me, that invalidated the entire process of video reviews. If you're going to take it seriously, you're not going to take it seriously when it matters most. Why even do it? Yeah, that's anyway. that. That's in the top 10 most embittering moments of, of mm-hmm. Edmonton Oilers fandom. Yep. That Absolutely. Kessler. I, I'm st- it's five years old and I'm still incensed. Yeah. And it's just not going to it's not going to go away. So it is. It shouldn't. Doesn't have to. Oh. Doesn't doesn't have to. I thought they did make the right call. I thought Pugliarvi pushed his way into the crease and pushed his pushed his pushed the you know. If it had been the other way around and another opposing forward had done that, if it had been hope. another way around, they'd be saying, "Well, what do I say to Corey?" Now you're not letting go of that one, which you shouldn't no, let I'm go of either. Let go of that one either, because I mean, what should I say to Yessa? <laughs> I'm going to say, "Screw you, Yessa," because you're just a young kid, whereas Corey is some hallowed veteran. Anyway, well, I just thought he was fighting for position, but whatever. I thought he pushed. He was him. a stronger man. Yeah, but you're not allowed to do that. You can't, you can't push into the crease like that. I thought it was the right call. I wasn't happy with it, but I did think it was the right call. And the Kessler and Perry and Corey Perry calls were the wrong calls. Yes. Um, That's the source of the embitterment. Indeed. <laughs> I, I'm equally bitter at various times for those kinds of plays. You're you're kind of like Captain Ahab roaming the deck here, but... Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I also have moments of intense bitterness about those plays. Uh, Bruce, my good thing was Leon Draisaitl. Mm-hmm. What a game! What a what a what a hockey player Leon Draisaitl is. And uh, I'm glad I had seats like that just once during his time. Like if I never mm-hmm. sit there again, but it was just really great to sit there, down low in the corner, right, you know, a few feet away from the guy as he's doing his thing. And I wasn't sure. It's funny because I asked you, like, could you, like, like, I didn't know, like, does he always work that hard? Because it just seemed like, it seemed like in the third period, especially he picked the orders up on his back and he carried that team almost to victory in that moment. And no surprise that he scored in the shootout. He was so determined to win that game. Um, and, And I just was wondering, like, maybe it's just being there live that, it, that, and down low that you, that I see this intensity in dry settled, but you, you're, you're telling me that he, he did look super intense on TV as well there. This was an extraordinary game by Leon and he was, uh, he was pushing hard all night and, and taking the puck hard to the net himself, like three or four or five times that he came from outside and he either beat someone with a move or he just powered his way into the thought and he just wasn't to be denied at least until Jonathan Quick decided to, deny him but uh, he did get one goal and came so close to getting uh uh getting a couple more and, and uh 
Yeah, he it's had all, uh, all over the puck, and they couldn't handle him. They couldn't, they yeah. couldn't uh, reel him in, really. He had ten major contributions to grade A chances at even strength. Five of those were his own shots. Mm-hmm. He had the he had the first um, shootout goal, yep. and I don't know what Quick was doing on that goal. Honestly, like I, he was so far out and and stationary. All he had, Leon had to do was pull it wide and slam it in, and that's exactly what he did. Um, Quick didn't look good on that one, and then McDavid made him look silly as well. You see Jokinen move the quick step to the outside and then pick the corner an inch inside the stick side post, and it's mighty hard to stop. And when you got Leon Dreisaitl doing it with the gifted hands that he's got and, and snapping that one home, it was no chance. For oh yeah, Mr. Quick. He he was coming in like a big train on that shootout goal, Bruce. There was smokestack lightning coming off his stick. Mm-hmm. Um, his first goal was a really nice goal, mm-hmm. and um, mainly because Hyman made such a great play. I think he and Hyman really worked well together. I'm glad that they've. This is Tippett. Did Tippett have them together at all? Um, I'm not sure that he did. Anyway, they've gone to this a little bit, and I think they're a really good pair. What a load for opposing teams to deal with Hyman and then Drysaddle and then Hyman and then Drysaddle again. And then whoever else is with them. You know, it's either going to be Puliyarvi or Yamamoto, two really yep. good hockey players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hyman got the Kulak, Brett Kulak kept it in with a nice little poke check at the blue line. Hyman got it and kind of went around, you know, uh, went around the world, right around the net. Puck protecting the whole time. Made a nice deke in, into the uh as he's coming around the, the corner he deeks he deeks inside and then he goes outside and he goes around and he and he slides the puck as he's falling down on his butt right across the ice to dry settle who coolly deposits it in the net absolutely fantastic goal uh gave the orders a two to one lead and then they got up three to one of course and i thought this game's over i was starting to think which was probably the wrong thought to have because uh, they didn't have it for long that's right um, there's a couple other, uh, one really notable play was when he, he won the puck behind the end of the third period and, and he was up against Kopitar at that time. And just through his hard work and skill, puck protection skill, he drew a penalty, which was yeah. fantastic. Again, fantastic work by Leon Settle. He almost won the game for the Oilers three minutes left in the third period. He comes charging in there and Bowls his way past the defenseman. Like it didn't look like that play was there, but he made it happen and spun and, and got a wicked backhand shot on net on quick. And then Yamamoto jumped on the rebound and slammed it. And I thought slammed it home, but quick made it managed to make the save. Uh, just a f- fantastic individual effort by Leon Dreisaitl and a nice follow through by Yamamoto. Too bad it didn't end in a goal. That would have been the, the best way to end that particular hockey game right then in that, that moment with three minutes left to take away any points at all from the LA Kings would have been mighty fine. But um, this is the Leon Dreisaitl that we saw in the 2017 playoffs when he was the best player on the Oilers, uh, certainly in the Anaheim series. Clefbaum also was fantastic those playoffs. Um, he, we haven't really seen him in the playoffs take over Bruce, I don't think, like the way he did against Anaheim. And I'm still hoping to see that, sure hoping to see that this year. If they get to the playoffs, I think they will. I want to see Leon do that again and again and again. 
I want to see him take games and win games for the Edmonton Oilers. And that's what he did tonight. He took that game and he won that game for his team, I think. And uh, he's capable of doing that. Connor McDavid is as well. They have two players who are, that's what I was thinking heading into the third. We've got two players. They always still still have these two players. And they've, it's this is their time to do that. And this is why I have confidence in this team, that this team can go far into the playoffs. They have these two players. They can do these things. The, the uh, supporting cast isn't bad, but it's time for these two players to take this team on their backs, haul them to victories. And that's what Leon Dreisettle did tonight. Yeah, well, both guys scored during the uh, regulation game, and then both guys scored again in the shootout. So yeah. there's, your, there's your game breakers breaking the game. So kudos to both men tonight. They were uh, they were outstanding. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to go with the 3-2 goal. This came just right on top of Edmonton, establishing a 3-1 lead, and it, and it, it extended... What to me is a horrible pattern. Maybe this is just something that happens to all teams all the time every season. But it seems like the Oilers score a goal, and then the very next shift, they're in trouble in their own end. And sometimes they give one up. Sometimes a goalie bails them out, or the other team blows a chance or something. But it just doesn't seem like they can have that stabilizing shift to to sort of uh, uh, you know get the new the improved score on the board for a while and sort of establish, okay, this is a two-goal game now, and they just couldn't couldn't hold it. And it was uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, quite a horrendous turnover by uh, Evan Bouchard down in the corner when uh, a king, I don't know, David, do you think he heard footsteps? That was the impression I got. The guy was taking a bit of a run at him, and Evan just chipped the puck into the middle, of the, and he did get hit anyway. But he chipped the puck into the middle of the ice where... Uh, L.A. jumped all over it, and uh, the puck came back to who scored that? Was that uh, uh, Byfield? Byfield in the slot, and Drysaddle tried to make a desperation check of him. Right, it was really it was a tough one, and that the turnover happened fast, and and uh, uh, Drysaddle got a piece of uh, of Byfield shot, and that helped to fool Koskinen. And it actually was a, a strong defensive effort by Leon, but he lost the battle against a very big, strong young man who's going to be a force for the Kings for a lot of years to come, is, uh, is my take. And it just it just happened so fast on top of the 3-1. You think, come on. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. You got, the, you got the lead. Don't just give him a freebie. You know, it wasn't quite a freebie, but it was some pretty soft... Uh, hockey from uh, a couple guys on the ice, and unfortunately, young uh, young Bouchard was the major victim there with uh, uh, a bit of a too casual of a touch of the puck. But, yeah, it looked like he might have been expecting a hit. Although, you know, what what I would just want him to do is just bear down in that moment and make that play. Yep. yep. And um, he's Take fully capable hit. of doing that. Take the, Take hit. the hit. You're going to get hit in this league. Yeah. You get, just get ready get for the hit. And um, now you were in that end, right? Where Edmonton attacked in the first, yeah, and LA scored their two goals in the second. Yeah, it happened so fast that it was kind of that particular play happened so fast that it's hard to know what's going on, honestly, when you're at the game itself. Like, all of a sudden, how'd the puck get in the slot? Is what you're sitting there thinking, like, how did that happen? And uh, now we know. 
Um, Bruce, my bad thing is the the uh, the goal that comes just a short time later. And again, it was seemed like seemingly kind of casual play. Tyson Berry, uh, who later saved a saved a goal off the goal line, um, started things off losing a battle behind the net. He just lost a battle behind the net. This th- these things happen. But you know, again, like it seemed like he was in position to win that battle and he lost it. And then uh, Brett Kulak loses a battle at the side of the net, and Nugent Hopkins and he lose a battle in the slot. And I think it's Gunderson or Gunderson uh, puts slams it in the net just because you know Gunstrom he wanted that goal more than they wanted to stop it. Yeah, that's what that's how I saw it. That he was just more revved up going for it than they were revved up and going for it. And and um, you know it's 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 difficult on defense because you're trying to figure out what's going on. Who should you cover? Where's the puck? Um, what should I do? You know where should I be? And the offensive players just uh, get the puck and score, right? Like it's it's in some ways it's easier to be aggressive, I think, on the attack. The defense has to be proactive, reading the play and taking the body ahead of the time. Neither of them were doing that either. So because um, it's starting to you know bat, bat around in the slot area. So um, that was a stinker of a goal against and crappy defense all around, starting with Tyson Berry and then extending to the other two players. These are all veteran hockey players. Um, they can play strong defensive hockey, all three. They can all have defensive lapses. Any um, NHL players can. But, you know, with veterans, this is the moment for these veteran players. They are with these two superstar players. And, again, it's incumbent on them, I think, to all bear down and just start to get super serious about slot defense and taking the man, taking the man, take, making that their religion in the slot area. So, so that, that, that guy doesn't have a chance to get to that puck because someone's blocking him out. Yeah. Well, they, uh, uh, they came up on the short end of, uh, I mean, that was uh classic heavy hockey by the Kings. I mean, the guy that came in on Barry, I mean, Barry might've had a slight lead to getting to the puck, but the guy just basically ran him over yeah. behind the net, just overpowered him. And similar happened to Kulak. And then, I mean, I was scoring, doing this uh, grade A shot since you were at the game. And I scored at a simple lost battles by all three of Barry, uh, Kulak, and uh, Nugent Hopkins. And that's your defensive triangle in close to your own net. And all those battles occurred like around, beside, and right in front of the net. And the shot that he scored on was like four feet or something. He was just right in almost inside the so a little discouraging to see one go in so fast after they made it three two. But yeah, it's very discouraging. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, all right, your number, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going to go with the number one, uh, and that's the number of shots produced by the six bottom six forwards on the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Uh, we have uh, Derek Ryan with none one that was blocked. Uh, Josh Archibald with none, no shot attempts of any description. Uh, Derek Broussard, he's the one that got the shot, uh, but it was set up by Dreisaitl. Not in, it wasn't the bottom six. It was during a line change, Broussard, and early in the game, Broussard had come out, Dreisaitl was out there, and he set up Broussard for a shot. That was the, that was the one and only. 
Uh, Warren Fogel had none. Ryan McLeod had none. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins had none. So that's two entire lines of players. Now, they didn't have a ton of minutes, you know, uh, but they got their shifts, you know, six to 12 minutes each kind of thing and more for Nuge who played special, lots of special teams. One shot, you know, so the, uh, the Oilers' top two lines absolutely carried play and dominated when they were out there. But when they were on the bench, uh, the rest of the roster just didn't pick it up. And, uh, you know, uh, minus two. The Archibald, Broussard, Nugent Hopkins line were victimized for two goals against. And they had nothing going on offensively. So, it, uh, uh, you know, sort of six minutes of even strength for Broussard and Archibald, two goals against. Well, Archibald did have, a, like, some nice hits early in the game. Like, on the same shift, I think he had two big ones. And then on that same shift, though, at the end, he was late getting to block the point shot, you know, the, the real because key hockey run, play. Because they run the guy into the side wall. Yeah. The second guy, the first hit was great. Like, he really crunched the guy, center right, yeah. and it was well-timed and, you know, it delivered a message. The second one, he kind of ran out of position to try and hammer a second guy, and when the puck got worked to the point, his point man, the guy had an open shot. And it wound up getting tipped on the way in, I think, by Bouchard, because they took away, they originally credited the goal to... Uh, 34, their Kalia, Arthur Kalia, the, the hot shot rookie. And they took yeah. it away from him. And I'm sure it hit something in the slot. So it, I think it went in off of Bouchard and found a tiny hole in Koskinen's armpit. That was huh. discouraging, too, to start the game. But, but it was. I hope uh, it hit something. Because <laughs> Koskinen well, just let that in. <clears throat> yeah. It went through know. two players in front for sure. But I'm pretty sure it hit. It hit uh, something. I thought Kaliev got it, but took it yeah. away. But whatever. That was uh, uh, in part due to Archibald not being in the right spot. Yeah, it was. Bruce, my number is 44. That's the average career games played for four of the Kings defensemen. They averaged 44. Those four defensemen were Tobias. Bjorn Fott, mm-hmm. um, Sean Dursey, uh, Jordan Spence, and Jacob Mulverari. Mm-hmm. Jacob Mulverari. So this was a very uh, inexperienced Kings blue line. And they looked at it at times. They struggled mm-hmm. at times with the Order's forecheck and with the pressure that was put on them. And, um, you know, we'll see in the end which of these players turn out to be NHLers and which don't. There's a couple NHLers there. You know, I'd be surprised if this Dirtsy doesn't become a player that we have to endure for years. <laughs> seems seems like they're always, you know, these California players, you know, they just hang around forever um, competing hard against the Edmonton Oilers and it's hard to take. But uh, uh, so he was, a tri- he, was, he was acquired in the Jacob Muzzin trade, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it looks like the Kings got something out of that deal that was pretty good. Um, I think that's where it was. I should probably okay. Google that. Um, but yeah, they some some talented players there. Some performing at a high level now. But Amanda, they miss Drew Doughty and um, Mikey Anderson. Anderson's such a, a good hockey player. Uh, he he really surprised me at, at his strength. So um, I don't know when those guys are coming back, but hopefully not too soon. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there's every chance these two teams could meet up in the playoffs. And so in, in some ways, you can look at tonight's game and say, well, Edmonton was completely healthy and L.A. was missing like eight guys off their team. And the, the game was in Edmonton. The Oilers really should have won it and they didn't. But uh, um, all I can say is credit to the L.A. guys who've dressed. They played hard and they, they kept bringing it. And as you say, they probably deserve their one point. Los Angeles Kings draft picks. Yeah, um, Dursey was traded with Muzzin and a first pick. Excuse me, Dursey and a first pick from Toronto for Muzzin. And I just want to see who they took with that first pick. Did the LA Kings in 2019. Looks like they probably took Tobias Bjornfot. Okay, so I got both of them out of them. So they got two uh, pretty good young defensemen for a pretty good older defenseman. Yes. And, you know, you can see why Toronto, both teams are making that trade, to be mm-hmm. fair to the Maple Leafs. Yep, absolutely. Um, they're windows now. They got Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews right now. They're, they want to win right now. So um, you can see why they're trading for a player like Jake Muzzin. It's similar to why the Oilers are trading for players like Duncan Keith. So... We'll see who, uh, if they get it, if the Leafs got it right and if the Oilers got it right. And Kulak, yeah, exactly. And, you know, bringing in veterans like Hyman and and, uh, Evander Kane. I was really impressed with Kane's physical play. He is is a nasty customer. He's really going to be good in the playoffs. Five shot attempts, five hits for uh, Kane tonight. Yeah. Points. One penalty that was a penalty. And he ran, pushed the guy, and he said, I just pushed him, but he cross-checked him in the back. And sent him he the did. The Hyman penalty, Hyman though, that, that, was, that was ridiculous. Yeah. And wasn't there one of the orders? Oh, the one, what, 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 the one on Fogel, what uh, did you think of that? Uh, I, the ones, like the, King, like the Kings were mauling McDavid and Drysaddle and getting yeah. away with it. I thought both penalties called against LA were pretty darn marginal. But I guess one Drysaddle drew the one, but Kopitar kind of spun him around. But on the scale of fouls committed by the Kings tonight, the two that they called were not very high on the list. So, right. Well, Let's, get ready for some good battles with the Kings, Bruce. Yep, they're coming again next Friday, next Thursday at Los Angeles. I was honestly kind of wondering how the Kings were doing it, uh, but after tonight, I'm not wondering anymore. They've they've got a highly skilled physical team, as usual, and uh, get ready they, to rumble. They stunk for one year, and we didn't even get to beat the crap out of them. They wound up in the uh, in the Pacific uh, American uh, West Division, and of course. There was no inter-border, cross-border travel last year, so we never even got to play the Kings once, let alone beat them. And they had a terrible season after years of of uh, dominance over Edmonton for the most part. So it was frustrating to see them bounce back quite this fast. I was hoping they were going to stink for another couple of years. <laughs> Not the case. Not the case. All right, Bruce. Well, let's leave it there for tonight. All right. Thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.